21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. time no see. Well, actually, we did on a nice conference last year in Dubrovnik, didn't we? Yeah, it was a great conference. Good good to, uh, well, I can see you on the screen, but obviously the listeners can hear us. Yeah, good, good to hear and see you too. For start, basically, can you tell us about you, short bio? Are you still in UK, back in South Africa? No. So I'm still, I'm still in the UK. As you know, I've been here nearly 20 years and uh, traveling the world with uh, with my products. Um, I've been now, it's amazing how time flies. I've been doing this now for eight years. I thought I would take a one-year sabbatical from the corporate world. Eight years later, having fun, meeting great people like yourself, Martin. And a few Thank you. So, yeah, so here I am. And uh, you know my products and we discuss some of them later. But mm-hmm. that's where I am. I'm still in the UK. Very happy. So, if I understood you well, you came from corporate world. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was in the corporate world for for well all my life basically. And I've had my own businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my own business in Botswana, a franchise. Then I went back to the corporate world, and then got headhunted to move to the UK. I ran a, ran a big multinational company, looking after ninety countries. You know, Africa. Europe, Russia. Oh, so you, you, you walk the talk. Well, I like to think I do. I like to think I'm a practical person. You know, too many. I think the problem we've got is too many people think that they can leave the corporate world and train, and that's what they do. They train. I don't. I like to. I like to think I don't train. I facilitate. And there's a big difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can 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 you explain us what's the difference? What's what's the let's say three main differences between training and and facilitating well the way i see it pretty simple training you're just reading a whole lot of slides giving mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in essence you, you may, may as well just give them the slide deck or a book to go and read whereas you know facilitating you you're thinking on your feet i mean after you know my workshops are one or two days generally depending on the client and what the situation is but come the end of a workshop you know i've uh, i've put everything into it given all my energy you're thinking on your feet. You're using your your examples, not just not just from my own personal experience, but I'll meet people like you, yep. and you'll tell me some stories, and you'll tell me the companies you've been in, and I'll use those yep. stories. Um, and you're asking people questions. So if people ask you a question, you're not just giving them the answer. You're making them think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of the time, I get feedback. I, I wasn't on my mobile phone once in 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 the workshop because. For me, you, you want an experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I get it. People are busy. And if they come on, 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 a, on a training, no matter what that training is, they want to learn something and they want to get an experience out of it. Mm-hmm. The difference is, okay, you can, you can argue at times you are training. You've got, to, you've got to download a certain amount of information, but you need to get people engaged. 
And that's one of the key leadership things in the world today is, is engagement. But people talk it, but they don't do it. So, I mean, I always, I always over-prepare. Um, you know, I always try and have a, a bag of, of products in the back of my mind. If somebody asks me a question, and I, you know, I'm honest. I don't have all the answers. Um, but there's always people in the room. You know, if you typically, if you've got 20 people in a room, which is a 20 to 24 is a typical workshop, if you take just 20 people and they've got 20 years experience, that's 400 years of experience. Yeah, I mean, I mean, um, you are you are a great example of business professional in training waters and always on the run in Japan, uh, then back in States, Russia, Middle East. Uh, so you have a pretty good picture of business challenges around the globe. Um, uh, can you name a few? Yeah, I think... You know, every, here's the funny thing. Whenever you go to a country, everybody says, in my country, it's different. And I, I understand there's, there's cultural differences. But business is business. You, know, you look at the large companies like Reckitt Benkiser, Rolls-Royce, Procter Gamble, Microsoft, and those type of companies, they all got people. And I think one of the big things that, um, as a leader, people, people have got to focus more. There's too many meetings. And people get pulled from meeting to meeting. And I don't think people stand up enough and say, I'm not going to that meeting. They also have a problem with time. No matter what country you're in, there's a time problem. And one of the problems of that is because of too many meetings, right? I'm not talking about strategic meetings. I'm talking about silly little meetings that, that should last 10 minutes that go on for an hour. People are late for meetings, which means you've got to repeat yourself. This is my, my pet hate is meetings. Constructive meetings with a purpose, no problem. The other big thing for me is, Leaders are not engaging people. They talk it, but they don't do it. You know, I've got a great example of one of the slide decks where I say, that, you know, in the, in the next boardroom, if you were a fly on the wall listening to the senior executive team, do you think they'd be talking profits or people? Of course, they're talking profits. But where do the profits come from? From the people. And without engaged people, you're not going to get your profits because you're going to have high attrition rates, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And the other big thing is that that little – uh, six-letter word, change. Mm. Everybody thinks they change, but 30% of change efforts succeed, the rest fail. Why is that? Because people aren't engaging people to enable them to change and giving them the time to change because it's all about today's results. But change is all about tomorrow, and we don't do it. So no matter which country I go to, those are sort of some of the common problems, whether it's America, Japan, whether it's Russia, South Africa, Nigeria, you name it. If I understood you well, there is a leadership gap. And if we speak about Gallup uh, Q12 test, engagement is not uh, on high levels, uh, isn't it? Can you, can you tell us a few words about Q12 and, and, and maybe some statistics and your thoughts? I'll tell you what, I won't get into the, into the statistics because everybody just throws statistics down. You know, mm-hmm. um, The Gallup Q12, it asks 12 very, very simple questions. Things like, you know, do you know what's expected of you at, at work? Do you have a best friend at work? Does your supervisor or someone at work seem to care about you? This, which I think are great questions. 
then there's a whole lot of statistics. You know the famous Gallup poll that, that only, well, it depends on the country you're in. I think we did a talk, and I speak under correction, but on the Gallup poll in Croatia, only 3% of people are really, really engaged. But the general, the general rule is somewhere around, around 13% are engaged and happy in their jobs. And, you know, people can argue the statistics. You know what I always tell people? You can, I mean, I did a, a talk the other day. I threw, for half an hour, I just stuck up statistics that I pulled off Google. And I said, you know, really, it's common sense. If your people are engaged, do you think they will be more productive? Yes or no? And everybody said yes. So I said, why are you asking me to prove it to you through statistics? It's common sense, right? By the way, that's another thing that's lacking in all countries is common sense. I mean, just, just you know, when you walk down, down downtown, you look in the tube. People don't have common sense. Everybody wants to get on the tube before letting the other people off. It's common sense. Step aside. Let people off, you know? Anyway, um, so the statistics are out there. And I like to use the 20-60-20 principle. Mm-hmm. That's what I use in my workshops, which is like the Pareto ratio, right? 20% of your work, uh, 80% of your work, I should say, comes from 20% of your people. Mm-hmm. So if you could engage your staff and get that 20 and double it up to 40% of the people, giving you 160% of your work, you know, come on. What is that going to do to your profits? What's that going to do to your customer retention, customer loyalty, et cetera? But when you talk about happiness at work, engagement, and all these buzzwords, the senior execs say that's an HR function. Well, yes, it is, but it's also a leadership function. It's everybody's function. Mm. You know, for me, it's all about productivity versus activity. Mm-hmm. 20% of your people are being productive. The rest are being active. What are you paid for? To be active or productive? You're paid to be productive. Well, as a leader, your key job is to remove the obstacles that are getting in the way of progress and enabling those people to do what they were paid to do and motivating them and inspiring them, which is the difference between leadership and management For in a nutshell, isn't it? Because management's all about planning, organizing, controlling, and every leader has to have a bit of management because if you don't have management, the rudder is going to fall off and your ship is going to just steer any way it wants. But what people aren't doing is they're not spending enough time on the engagement stuff, the, the, the inspirational stuff, because it's all about on time, on spec, on budget. But nobody thinks about tomorrow. And you've got to, as, as a leader, one of the key things is you've got to selectively forget the past. So you've got some legacy systems. You'll bring those along. I always tell people, how would you run this company if it is your company? That's how I, how I always ran my departments and my companies. And then you have a look. What is good for today? And what do we need to improve, stroke, modify, or change for tomorrow? Because if you don't, it's what we call the performance engine. Your performance engine pays your salaries today. What's going to pay your salaries tomorrow? But if you're not planning for tomorrow and you're not investing time, resources, systems, processes, you won't have it tomorrow, or you will, but you won't get the results you desire. You know, that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. expression, you know, if you do what you always did, you get what you always got. That's, I don't believe that. You'll get less than you always got because we need to get more from less, and things are changing. I mean, I, I, everybody knows this. Everybody mm-hmm. knows it. But, but who's doing something about it? Who's taking the time to plan for tomorrow, to engage their teams to get better productivity?
and you also, you know, the famous Netflix is a classic example where they, I think they were the first, again, I speak under correction because I know a lot of companies, EY and KPMG and, and those type of companies have stock performance appraisals on an annual basis. But what you're going to do is, is give regular, robust feedback all the time. And it's not just to the millennials. You know, I get so annoyed with people. It's always millennials, millennials, and soon Generation Z is going to be coming along. How are you going to manage them? And for the first time in the workspace, we've got, I think it's five generations of people entering the workspace. So you've got, the, you know, from the great-granddaughter to the grandmother, all in, and you've got to manage all these people with different ways of communicating. And that's the other big thing about leadership and engagement is the way you communicate. You can't just send a blanket email. It, you know, that might excite me, but it won't excite you. And the next email won't excite me, but it'll excite you. You've got to get off your butt and go and walk through the place. You know, I tell people I was never at my desk by nine o'clock. It's not because I wasn't at work at nine o'clock. I was at work at seven o'clock. I was in the factory floor. I was up in admin office. I was talking to the salespeople. I was out with customers. You've got to be, you've got to be seen to be visible. And that's how you engage people is, is, you know, having a positive attitude, being positive yourself. Of course, you have your downsides, and that's all to do with the uh, the neuroscience and the positivity stuff that you and I have spoken about before. And yeah, you, you you have your down days, but I find that people energize me. Yes, they demotivate you, but you know, you got to be happy. Happiness is a choice. It's something that comes from within. You make a decision. As I said to somebody the other day, you know, I I can't necessarily make you happy. I can motivate you or demotivate you. But I want you to make up your mind and come to work on Monday morning or whatever it is, if you're in the Middle East on Sunday morning or whatever, and I want you to try and be happy, and then we can work from there. Um, you know, happiness is all about a positive emotional state. So if I can get you to a positive emotional state, then I can help drive you forward. The other things, it's like I say, I say to, my, to my, my daughters, don't surround yourself with negative people. You know, the 2060-20 the rule I'm speak, speaking about, 60% of the people are just sitting there doing just enough not to get fired. The 20% are taking your boat forward. They're doing all the paddling. The other 20% are being actively disengaged. So what do we mean by that? They're actively undermining your instructions and all your goodwill and all the good things you're trying to do as a leader. So my question always is, who employed those people and why are they still employed? Of course, you want to try and move them if, I would do the analogy of the boat. Try and move them to the front of the boat. But if they can't move, they've got to go. Then you always get, oh, we can't fire people. You can. If you follow the right legal process and those people are not contributing to your business, I always ask, why are they employed? Because they're going to take the 60% in the middle and bring them to the back of the boat. And when your boat sinks, you've got a problem. The other problem you've got, if you don't focus on the 20%, that are giving you the, the, the positivity and, and, and making your profits today and making your customers happy, you're not going to have a company tomorrow because those people will leave. You know, the old adage, people leave managers that don't leave companies. But people are leaving not just the managers. Of course, I, I believe it's the manager's fault for not sorting out the problem or the leader's fault. They are also leaving other people. People want to work with positive people. I mean, you're spending, most people are spending more than eight days at work. Uh, hours at work a day you know I, I want to work with you because you know you're a pretty cool dude you get things done I can learn from you you can learn from me we can have a, we can have good as they call it banter in the office 
I'm not saying I have to live in your pocket and go out for a drink with you every night or a cup of coffee, but I want to work with somebody who's positive because that'll have a positive effect on me. As I say, behavior, it's all about behavior. You know, when you're changing people, you're changing habits and behaviors. leadership and in, in, in engagement and, and change per se and there are some models you developed over the years and, and, and the book came in can you tell us a little bit more about about that I mean to, to transform what you what you what you, what you, what you are talking about into your own program yeah yeah sure I mean so when I first got into this into this uh, this field I I wanted to do something different. So I started off with John Cotter's Iceberg is Melting. And we developed a program around that. And we use a parable, the correct term is an allegory, but a parable or a fable of animals to convey a point. Why do we do this? It's memorable, it's simple, it's exciting, it's fun. And when you're having all of those, you learn better. But the main thing is it's memorable. So I've been doing that for, for a long time. And I've used other people's parables as well. How Stella Saved the Farm by Govindarajan and Trimble um, on innovation. Brilliant book, love it. Then recently, Sean Acor's The Orange Frog, uh, all about positivity. So I thought, when I'm going to places, whether it's Vietnam, China, or Germany, or Croatia, whatever it is, I get told people don't like to read books. So if I'm doing three different programs, I need to give them three different books. And I thought, why don't I combine all my learning and put it into one book, which I've done with my co-author, Craig Smith, called The Bee Book. So if you go and have a look at two websites, thebeebook.com, or you can look at my personal website, paulrigby.biz, B-I-Z. And you look on there, so I, what I did there is, I've written these programs, and the first one is, of course, it's The Bee Book. It's a story of bees that wake up one morning and their field has been plowed, plowed over, right? There's no nectar, no flowers. So they've got to change. There isn't, there isn't an option. There, there are two hives, lunar hive and solar hive. Lunar hive being the moon, pretty dead, not much happening. Solar, unlimited options and possibilities and the sun and all the rest of it, right? So we came up with those things. And we, we did initially think of doing ants, by the way. But, you know, ants don't, aren't as sort of, I know, I know both bees and ants can sting, but, but bees just are a little bit more cuddly, you know, and, and bees make the world go around. Without bees, we're not going to have any flowers, et cetera. So we decided on the bees. And um, in, in, the, in the story, that there's two hives, as I said. The one hive, Luna, is pretty uh, autocratic. Uh, it, it lives in a human-built hive, you know, those, those root structure hives. Solar hive is like a wild hive. And the funny thing is, I, I mean, I won't give you the whole story, but Luna hive, they, the leaders of Luna hive are very hierarchical. And that doesn't work today, as you well know. Of course, you respect your leaders, but you can't. Well, you can. You can tell people what to do, but they won't do it if it's not from the heart. You've got to convince them and inspire them to do what you want them to do. That's the difference between the two hives. And the guys in Lunar Hive, they look at the guys, or the bees, in inverted commas, in Solar Hive, they reckon they're a bunch of mavericks. They reckon they're bohemians. But Solar Hive, they all have a plan B. You know, 
B, B, get that, get mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've all done MBAs. Huh? Just joking. Um, uh-huh. uh, they, they look at them and they've all got a plan B. So if the field is plowed over, one of the guys, Zippy, he's already moved on to another field and he's busy looking for the nectar and the pollen. So anyway, that's a story. I want, a lot of people want to read it. Um, there's 10 chapters. Uh, it takes about a 45-minute read. So we've got two programs, Be Ready for Change, and in that I developed a model, which is a three-step model. Prepare, engage, implement. Mm-hmm. People will remember that, right? And, you know, you prepare, you've got to get the urgency up and communicate and form your team, et cetera, et cetera. Engage, well, we've been talking about engagement already. If you don't engage people, how the hell are you going to get them to change? Mm-hmm. The engagement thing about removing the obstacles that are in the way of progress, being a great leader, communicating in the right way to engage people, not just through an email. And then you've got to implement. So we talk about how you actually make change stick because most change efforts fail at implementation stage. People are pretty good through project management, training, et cetera, of getting the prepare and engage, but they're not good at making it stick. So we have a two-day uh, and a one-day. I, I really don't like one-day workshop because people always say, please could we have another day? Because I need time to digest all the information. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I like I like your approach. I like your approach based on easy to understand way of of uh, presenting pretty complex business topics and yeah. uh, personal development issues as well. Uh, so, so if I understood you well, you have all steps covered in one book and in one training. Yeah, like well, I've got three, diff- four different trainings, but all mm-hmm. using one book. Uh-huh. So, so you can you can go through. Uh, I can go through four of your trainings, and then I will have. Uh, I will. I will. I will have covered. What you have in in your book, or yeah, so that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wrote the book specifically for the workshops. Mm-hmm. E engaged, where, where we develop the pollen model. You know, pollen linked to the bees, and pollen really is going to have a purpose, an operating system, leadership learning, entrusting, and nurturing. Entrusting is like uh, um, allowing autonomy, et cetera. Nurturing is coaching, et cetera. So we have the pollen model. People get that. I've got it. So they've got the, the, the PEI model, and they've got the pollen model. You've got a leadership, be a great leader, which includes some of the learnings from change, some of the learning from innovation, and some of the learning from, um, from a, a model, a nine-step model we've developed on leadership. And then we've got be innovative, So all of those, you just read the one book and we can, the great thing is, for example, with a client recently, I started off doing the change. The first two days of the next month, I did the innovation and you can do them in any order. Then we did the engagement and then we did the leadership. So for four months, we did the four programs and there was one book to read and everybody is talking the same language. So they're all talking like Buzz is the main character. So they're talking about Buzz and Zippy and Stripes. Oh, you're being a Buzz. And the, the, one, the one who's the, like, the, the sort of the neg ferret is a guy called Lead Bottom. You know, Lead Bottom mm-hmm. doesn't move very fast. He's from the old school. And then in a meeting the other day, one of the guys said to me, hey, that guy's acting like a Lead Bottom. I said, you don't have to explain it. They've got it. There's a common language. And then people put B posters up around the building and it creates a nice vibe and, and Look, let me be honest with you. Not everybody loves it, but you're never going to make everybody happy. If I can get those 20% of the people engaged and more motivated, 
they're going to produce even more output. If I can get the other 60%, a few of those, you know, every, every one that you convert makes a difference. Okay, but there is there is a fun part as well. I mean, I, I know you for, for some years now and your trainings are not not only full of know-how and, and, and uh, con- concrete knowledge, but uh, you, can, you can have some fun as well, don't you? Yeah, you have to. You know, it, it, I mean, a whole day is, you know, typically it's sort of 9 till 4.30 or 9 till 5, depending on the lunch mm-hmm. break. It's pretty intense. So mm-hmm. you've got to have a bit of fun, and people learn more when they're having fun. I learned that a long time ago. Um, so we, we try to build exercise at the moment. For example, we're developing a game, you know, like a Monopoly game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A board game. So it's not Monopoly. We go around the board, but we're going through this like – because in the book, they go through a forest, and along the way, we're going to have this game – where you're asking questions about what's in the book related to real-world scenarios. Mm-hmm. You roll a dice and you move along until you, be, you get to queen. You move from being a queen lunar to being a queen solar. So you move from lunar hive to solar hive, how you get there, all the trials and tribulations related to business. Again, another way of having fun. You know, we hold up cards and we ask people to tell us what's happening in those cards. The big thing for me is taking the book and bringing that into reality. People get it. So we'll say, you've seen this field is plowed over. What's happening in the story? That's, oh, Farmer John decided to plow and plant corn. How does that relate to your real world, to your company's real world? They say, oh, we just launched this, uh, this new product and the opposition came in and totally undercut us and, you know, we're stuck. Right, so how are we going to get over that? What's our plan B? And so we go through whatever the steps are and whichever module we're doing. It just people yeah. get it; they love it, and it and it translates into any language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Paul, we are almost done with our thirty minutes podcast. So, if if there is anything that we did not cover regarding uh, uh, your program, your new book, uh, your life, whatever, is is there anything that you want to share with us? <laughs> <laughs> not about my life. My life is pretty cool, man. I'm I'm fit, and uh, you know, as I. As I do when I'm talking about engagement and happiness, you, you've got to exercise because it releases the right dopamine in your head. I've just, before I get, got in touch with you, I, I've just been for a 20-kilometer cycle into the wind. And the worst thing that happens in the world only happens to Paul Rigby. You cycle into the wind, you turn around, and you think that the wind is gone, and somebody upstairs has changed the wind back into me again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's life, isn't it? Oh, typical, definitely. That's life. Okay. Well, thank, thank you, thank you for all insight. Uh, uh, thank you for 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 being uh, my guest today. Uh, always pleasure talking with you, and hope seeing you uh, again uh, in life uh, in live uh, soon. Uh, and wish you, wish you, Paul, wish you all the best with with your with your new trainings and book thank you and, and always good to see you my friend i love your positivity i love your positivity as well paul thank you thank you martin cheers 21st century entrepreneurship with martin piskarik subscribe to us as you leave a positive review on itunes 